Good morning, brothers and sisters and friends. I bring you the collective greetings of all eight of us in the Miami Ecclesia. And this morning I would like to consider the process of walking uprightly before the Lord Jehovah. Out of the Psalms we read, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. Simon hath declared how at the first God did visit the Gentiles to take out a people for his name. Now we know really that the Gentiles were not the first. The nation of Israel was come to first, the Jews. They were to be, and still are, his chosen people. They were a nation chosen to bear his name. They were to be his people, and he was to be their king. They were to glorify him, and they were to worship him. In all things, they were to bring him glory. Also, we know that they failed rather miserably. They even went so far as to crucify his son. And this is where this verse in the Acts comes in. It is where officially salvation was opened up to the Gentiles. What it means actually is that God was to continue the process of taking out a people for his name. Well, for what purpose? Why was he taking out a people for his name? Well, from the beginning the purpose has been that of giving glory to God. Now this is actually the purpose of the entire creation. The whole elaborate process. One could question, well, why go through all the, all the process of, a, of the creation as it's recorded in Genesis? Why have the order of affairs that we see around us today? Why couldn't God have just as well made a race of robot-like creatures? Androids, if you will, creatures who had no option but to 24 hours a day say, Alleluia, glory to the Father. But consider it. Does this give glory to God? Even on our own terms, consider a dictator. If he forces people to worship him, to give, if you will, glory to him, is it really? They're forced to. Uh, this, this accomplishes nothing but if you will, lip service. But God has given us a choice. We can obey him or we can obey the world. It is our choice when we choose and choose to follow because we want to, not because we are forced to. Consider what we have in this world. Well, everything that you see, everything, all of our possessions, they're, uh, if you will, they're on loan from the Father to see how we will use them in accordance with his will if we so choose. So the only thing that we can cl lay claim to of our own self is our willingness to give obedience to the Father. And this is the only thing that we have that he wants or that we can even give to him. And it is by following God's word that we do give glory to the Father. 
to repeat it's because we want to that we choose to follow as we do that we choose to if possible pull ourselves out of the world make ourselves separate try to keep ourselves undefiled from the world our reasoning should not be well if I don't do this in other words walk in accordance with God's word I'll be punished or if I don't do this I won't live forever it should not be our reasons for doing what we do but we're human and these thoughts will be there but this again should not be our primary reason we need to examine ourselves well we're all familiar with the memorial the traditional memorial passage in the 11th chapter of 1st Corinthians where we're told to examine ourselves this has many meanings, but let's take it at face value. Examine ourselves, check ourselves, take inventory. Is what we do to the glory of God or is it to the glory of self? And this is a full-time job, that of giving glory to God. Paul writes, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Notice the words, whatsoever you do, and all to the glory, saying everything should be done. If there is something that we are doing that is not to the glory of God, we shouldn't be doing it. We have no business doing it at all. And you say, well, how can this be accomplished in all things? Well, consider an example, something as human uh, as eating. Uh, partaking of food we realize that the Father has provided it for us he has given it to us we of ourselves really did nothing we didn't make it grow we didn't design the seeds that it grew from we didn't provide the sunshine we haven't done anything for it it is given to us and accordingly we give thanks to the Father for it quite often I have heard a phrase used in prayers uh, a brother will be offering thanks for a meal. Uh, the phrase, uh, bless this food to our use and us to thy service. It's a good thought. But brothers and sisters, I feel that we are all guilty, all of us, of doing things not pleasing to God. And this happens even in our ecclesial activities. And the ecclesial activities can be broken down into two uh, categories, more or less, uh, for lack of a better word, religious activities and secular activities. But when you consider that, really there should be absolutely no distinction for us between our religious and secular activities. We have social activities. I think that's a better word. Many social activities, uh, especially the larger ecclesias. Uh, one example of which could be a picnic. And these quite often occur, let's say, maybe once a month. The reason that we go to them is, well, the primary reason is fellowship. We're a family of God, and we meet as such. And all of our activities and our conduct and our thoughts should all be designed and watched over such as to give glory to the Father. And it is quite often in activities like these 
and not only just picnics, but different social outings, that if we consider and, and examine the activities, was there a lack of, let's say, mention of the scriptures? Or examining again, was there a lack of Christ-like conduct? Now, true, it's implied. That's the reason that we're there together. We are all of one family. But it should not be ignored. It is something very precious. Our mutual fellowship is based on a common faith. It is very precious and should not be taken lightly. Consider man. What is he? How does he differ from the other creatures of the creation? Well, we know that he is above all other creatures in God's creation. Why? Well, the main distinction is that he has the capability to reason. He can think. He can reason abstractly. But, like all blessings, it carries responsibility and can be turned into a curse. The greater the responsibility, the greater the likelihood or the possibility of it becoming a curse to the detriment of the person involved. And this, in a form of reasoning, this blessing or cursing, is in the process of rationalization. Now this process of rationalization has got to be the primary reason, the reason most largely responsible for the pulling away of man from the absolute truthful simplicity of God's word. Consider it. We all do it. We rationalize ourselves into, out of, around, and through any situation that isn't necessarily in accordance with what we would like to do. Uh, a couple of examples. A brother needs to make a talk. He's on the schedule. He knows that he will be called on in, let's say, the next Sunday. So he takes out his books, takes out his Bible, his concordance, perhaps Josephus, some other reference materials, goes off in a corner and sits down at the desk and starts summing through, trying to set down words that he feels would be to the edification of the Ecclesia. But then he realizes up. It's Tuesday night. This is the Tuesday night football game or the Tuesday night movie that I've been wanting to see for the last two weeks. I was watching last weekend and they said that it was going to be on and I want to see it. But this is Tuesday. I've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday that I can make the pot. Perhaps I shouldn't, but I've got all this time. I'm going to do it. So, Perhaps the movie wins out. Does this kind of an attitude give glory to God? Also an example, and this is just one of many, there are many others, the speed limit. Well, here in the States it's been knocked down to 55 miles an hour. And I know this grates on a lot of people's nerves. But how about come Sunday morning? We're all in a rush, usually late, to get out of the house and in the car and go. And we find ourselves with, if we stay legal according to the speed limit, a 30-minute trip, and we've got 20 minutes to make it in. So what do we do? 
we speed. We break the posted law of the land to attend a meeting to worship God. Isn't this kind of hypocritical? This is just one of the many things that we all need to watch. Because the, the law that God has given us is such that we should obey man only as long as it does not conflict with God's law. Not when it conflicts with our ideas. This, again, is the process of rationalization. Also, consider the need to win, the need to be superior. We need to win the household. We need to win our race for life. We have got to win. So that this need to win is real. But on the negative side, how about that? A friend and I were talking some weeks back, and the conversation came around to this need to win. If one is not a winner, if one is not great at something, if one does not excel at something, sports or uh, academic achievements or something, he is a nobody. He does not count in the world's eyes. If one does not see his name in the media, on the uh, television, see his name on the radio, Consider what a person will do to see his name in print, the newspaper. People will do almost anything to get their name in the paper. What is this? This is nothing more than self-worship, and it does not give glory to God when done in the sense that I'm talking about. So, brothers and sisters, we should try to change this inborn or possibly inbred need of being a winner or superior, the need to excel, into something that would give glory to God. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with ambition. We're told not to be slothful in any of our activities, business or otherwise. It's okay to try to gain if it's used in accordance with God's will. We know that everything is actually from God anyway, so if used properly as other talents that we receive, this is very good and acceptable in God's sight. We know monetarily if we gain it, it's good to be able to give to brothers and sisters that are in need of financial aid or spiritual aid. We should try to gain in spiritual buildings. So let us examine our activities. Does everything that we do give glory to God? Consider our jobs. Do we give glory to God in what we do for a living, our occupation? The Apostle Paul again writes, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. <clears throat> Note the last part of that. But all things edify not. Well, to edify means to build up. Build up what? Well, a faith and a character after the similitude of Christ, after his example. So this lawfulness or advisability as regards to us and our activities, what is the test for it? Well, does it build character? Does it build a faith of the doer and of others around him in accordance after the example after Christ? And the, not the exception, but the disqualifying portion of this 
as if it is lawful for man, but does destroy character and faith and other attributes necessary for entrance into the kingdom, it becomes unlawful to God. Therefore, it should become unlawful to us. So we need to ask several questions in regards to our career and our activities. Primarily, our career. We spend from eight to ten hours a day with our jobs, say a very large portion of our waking hours, about half. So we should consider what it does in relation to God. First, will it help or hinder us in our race for life? Second, will it help or hinder in our efforts to be righteous? Does it strengthen our faith? Or does it chip away at our foundation? Is the general atmosphere of where we work conducive to reverence to God, or are there many distracting influences? Five, does it expose us to unnecessary occasion of sin, whether of commission or omission? Do we tempt ourselves more than we should or more than we would elsewhere? Are we pushing our faith? that is our self-control, more than we should or would elsewhere? Does it put us in a condition where our faith might be compromised? By this I mean where we would be forced to rationalize, there's that magic word again, where we would be forced to rationalize our actions or thoughts to ourselves. You can't rationalize them to the Father. There are no gray areas in this idea. These gray areas are only caused, again, by this process of rationalization. Do we find that our job is becoming too time-consuming, not leaving enough time for ecclesial activities, for the development of the ecclesia, for attending Bible studies? Perhaps we can't make it to Sunday meeting on time. Is worldly success becoming an obsession? This is something to consider also. And more or less in summary for these questions, does it put us in situations where disciples of Christ should not be? So in summary, we know and can see that all things should be done to the glory of the Father. This is why we were created. This is why we out of all the masses of the world, were called out of the world and were given a very great and valuable prize, one which we should hold uprightly, carefully and faithfully, so that others may see it and benefit from it. And in this way, that is, of walking uprightly before God, we can run the race for eternal life, to gain a prize such that, if it is in accordance with the Father's will, we may serve him, give him glory for eternity. We do this in this probationary life by walking after the example of Christ. Solomon wrote, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Brothers and sisters, let us make sure that our ways are not man's ways.